But when you do a house hack, you're looking at returns of 100% or more on your net worth. Because you know, with real estate, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, you have all of the wealth generators of real estate, which are cash flow, loan pay down, appreciation, and all the tax benefits. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And today I have a very special guest, which is Craig Kerlop. He is AKA the Fi Guy. He's an aggressive pursuer of financial independence, starting with a net worth of negative 30K in 2016. He has aggressively saved and invested to become financially independent now in 2019. From sleeping on a couch and renting out his car, he was able to invest in two houses, Denver, and now I can say three, which we'll step into and talk about, and a burr in Jacksonville. He plans to continue to invest in both Denver and Jacksonville for years to come. Craig's story has caught the attention of several media outlets, including the Denver Post, the BCC, and many other real estate professional finance podcasts. He hopes to inspire the masses to grab hold of their finances and achieve financial independence. You can also follow his story on Instagram at the Fi Guy, and we will definitely get into that. So Craig, Craig, man, welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here, Marcus. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. So I, I really um, got inspired by your story because you write articles for Bigger Pockets, as as do I. And I was just kind of finding some material to read one day uh, when I was in my own little private chambers and <laughs> came across one of your articles. And it was just talking about how you transitioned from being massively in debt to now being financially free and doing it all on the back of real estate. So, you know what, before we get started, everyone has a backstory. So tell me, how did you get so far in debt and uh, what made you think about getting into real estate? Uh, Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of people my age suffered from kind of the student loans, right? Uh, I went to a very expensive school uh, in Boston and, you know, I, I graduated with over $90,000 of debt and I figured, you know, I'm going to have a good paying job. I'm going to pay that off someday anyway. So basically going into college, I had no even idea as to like the effects of debt later on in life. And so, you know, I, so I just was like, you know what, I'm going to the best possible school. It'll pay off no matter what, without even thinking about the money side of it. So I went to uh, the school and, you know, Graduated, did all that good stuff, graduated with a finance degree, and uh, moved out to California with $90,000 of negative net worth to my name in 2015. Ouch, ouch. And that that is the trap that kind of traps us all. You know, we're all taught, hey, go to school, get a degree, get a good job, work for 40 years, 
and then spend the last 10 to 15 years of your life enjoying life. Um, but they fail to mention that you get strapped down with so much financial student loan debt. And I'm pretty sure the majority of our listeners here are kind of dealing with the same thing. So tell me, why real estate? Uh, so basically when I was in California, right, I, I progressed on and I was in the finance world and I just absolutely hated my job out there. And basically I was looking up ways to figure out how I can retire early. And I basically came across uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Gotcha. And that book basically says, hey, you need a passive stream of recurring income. And so being in Silicon Valley, I was like, okay, what startup ideas can I come up with? And I just came up with like the dumbest ideas. We won't even get it. We won't get into that. But <laughs> eventually after trial and error, I stumbled upon real estate when I was thinking, okay, like why do I have to reinvent the wheel? Real estate works, has worked for generations and generations. So rather than try to be, you know, the next Mark Zuckerberg, I'm just going to be, you know, your regular old Craig Curlop and, uh, <laughs> and just buy real estate. And so with that in mind, I, I, you know, I felt like I came across bigger pockets, started learning as much as I could. And, you know, I basically stumbled upon this whole financial independence thing in uh, probably about August of 2016. Okay. And, you know, I had my first property. I moved to Denver and bought my first property in June of 2017, which is the duplex. Okay. Okay. And uh, we can get into that or we, if you had any other questions on that part of my life. Oh, let's, let's dive right into this duplex. So your inspiration really came from reading, you know, reading, listening to podcasts on bigger pockets, things like that. And you said, Hey, you know what? I'm smart. I have a finance degree. Why try and reinvent the wheel? Let me do this real estate thing. So with your move from California to Denver, tell me, how did you find this duplex? Uh, so I moved, I moved to Denver. I got a month to month lease. And basically the first thing I did when I got there was just meet with a bunch of agents and I got it right off the MLS. Like all of my properties that I've gotten mm -hmm. completely off the MLS. Uh, it was an up down duplex, one bed, one bath, about five blocks North of city park, which if you don't know, Denver is the largest park in Denver. Hot area. And it's in a, yeah. It's a good area. It's, an up and coming gentrifying area. So, you know, when I first bought the property, uh, it was a little, wasn't super shady, but it was kind of shady. Okay. And, <laughs> um, but now, you know, it's clearly growing. There's developments going in all around it. Uh, you know, scrapes and rebuilds going in. So I'm very happy to have a property in that area and to buy a duplex for just 385,000 at that time. Seems like it was a pretty good deal. So, so, with the $30,000 in debt, moving from California to Denver, how did you finance this property? Uh, so I did the FHA loan, 3.5% down FHA. I had about, uh, I want to say like thirty to 40000 in savings at the time. Uh, and so, you know, I've always been a saver. So my whole life I've been saving. Okay. While working, I've been saving and all that. And so, so you know, a couple years after graduate, I had about $40,000 in cash. Okay. And I, put, I used a total of you know, the down payment plus closing costs and all that, my total down payment into the deal was $17,000. And it was a brand new property. So it didn't need any rehab, didn't need any work. So it was just $17,000, move in ready, nothing else to do. Wow. Wow. It's always good to find a good deal. Um, yeah. that, was, that was smart on your part, especially being a finance guy, because some people will say, you know what, I got thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 saved up. 
I have this $30,000, $40,000 student loan debt. Let me pay off this debt so I can be debt free and then start looking for the duplex or the, you know, the rental property. You did it in a total reverse um, way and you still came out on top. So it's, it's good that you had that mindset to not to get out of debt first, you know, but find another way or another resource that can help me get out of debt. So I looked at the interest rate on my student loans, which were, you know, I had a bunch of them. So it was the blended rate was between five and 6%, right? But when you do a house hack, you're looking at returns of 100% or more on your net worth. Because, you know, with real estate, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, you have all of the wealth generators of real estate, which are cash flow, loan pay down, appreciation, and all the tax benefits. And so with that, I put down $17,000 and I made, you know, well over $17,000 in that next year, which has allowed me to buy another property. And so you kind of like, you know, you have that snowball effect, which allows you to pay down the student loans way quicker, but you just get started a little bit later. Hey man, it's, it's, and that's the thing. Like you said, that snowball effect, you take a little bit of money and you help that little bit of money, you know, turn over, keep turning that same dollar amount over. So in regards to that duplex, you know, how fearful were you, you know, starting to find a tenant, getting ready to rent it out, kind of let's, let's go down that road and go down that process. Uh, yeah, man, I was, I was scared out of my mind. Uh, you know, I never had a payment coming that I had never invested that much money in my life. I had never had a monthly bill of, you know, the bill was a little over $2,000. So I'd never had a bill that high in my life. And, you know, I I had a lot of runway, but still, I didn't want to waste all my runway on this because I wanted to continue doing it. So, you know, I think that scared mindset also helped me get what I want really quick. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. So with, um, so how did you find your tenant? Let's, let's kind of dig into that. Uh, yeah. So I rented up the upstairs. Uh, I found my tenant by basically putting it in as many, putting an ad up in as many places as possible. Right. The only thing I can't control whether people want to live there or not, the only thing I can possibly control is how many places it's listed. And so my like metric that I would go go off of is how many places can I list this? So I would go on Craigslist. You can go on to this thing called Postlets, yep. which you create one ad and it exports all the ads to, you know, Trulia, Zillow, Realtor, Hot Pads, all these different sites. You got Facebook Marketplace. You have all these different resources. So I was just trying to get it on many platforms as possible to get as many eyes on it as possible to, you know, increase the funnel. Yeah. And that's, that's very smart, you know, because the more places you put it, put it out there, you know, the more opportunities and the more tenants you get a chance to vet. So uh, being that this is a new venture, you've never owned a house, you're doing a house hack, never screened a tenant. What did you do to screen your tenant once, once, the, once the phone started ringing? Uh, yeah, so the screening process, I, knew, I always knew, based on all of my research, that this is kind of where you're at, like your most vulnerability, yep. and where you need to be the most picky is with your tenant screening. And so I would have them fill out an application on this site called Cozy, cozy.co, yep. and I don't get paid for mentioning them at all. I love them, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're great. Um, But you know, as part of that, as part of that application, they fill out the best they can. They give you all the references, how much they make, all that stuff. I asked them to upload up the last two pay stubs. I asked them to do a background check and credit check to make sure that those are above my, you know, that there's no background, there's no criminal background, and credit check is above my my qualifications. And 
Um, you know, they have references on there, so I would make sure to call their references, past landlords and their jobs, make sure they actually have a job. And if that all checks out and was all good, we decided to move forward. I also meet them face-to-face -face because I think, uh, I feel like I've got a pretty good judge of character. So when I meet someone face-to-face, -face, it really helps me, um, I guess, get a good feel for them and whether or not they'd be good tenants. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's perfect. Hey, I use Cozy uh, also. And for everybody that's cozy.co, so cozy.co, um, right. And you can use them for all your tenant screening, um, management tools and everything like that. So, um, so you started getting these applications in, you started meeting these people. What made you pick the person that you picked? Um, I guess, well, I guess they're kind of, they were, so they were, the first person that came to me that met all of my criteria and that liked the place. And okay. so, right. That's kind of how I, that's kind of, you have to be careful with a lot of like the discrimination laws and stuff. And so I always go by first person, first inquiry in the inbox that meets my criteria is the one that gets the spot. So okay. those were, it was a, it was a nice couple that, you know, works not far from the duplex. So it was a great, a great setup. Yeah. And that, that, that is true. You have to, watch out for those discrimination laws because you know when you're screening tenants you know it's easy for someone to just go out and say hey you know what i applied for this for this rental and i was denied and i'm not sure why i was denied i was maybe denied for you know because of my gender my you know racial makeup you know whatever so on and so forth so you definitely have to be mindful of that i was gonna ask you something in regards to the duplex. Oh, I know what it was. Um, so were you a little fearful about managing this yourself or did you, did you, uh, did it ever cross your mind to, uh, do a, use a property manager? Uh, well, so it was the house hack, right? So I was going to be living there. And yep. so I didn't think it made any sense at all to have a property manager because I was going to be there. That was my home anyway. So no, it didn't cross my mind. Managing it didn't, managing it seemed like the easiest part because once I got someone in there, you know, a matter of just, you know, calling a handyman when things break is very easy. Um, you know, I just made sure I had kind of my, my team lined up. So if the plumbing broke, I had a plumber, all this stuff. And so I knew who to call when anything happened. Okay. But again, it was a new place, so I didn't really have many, uh, many problems. It, yeah, that's, that's good. So um, were you nervous about, you know, living downstairs and your tenant living upstairs? And just that that dynamic of you being a little bit too close, you know. I know for me, I like that degree of separation, you know. So how, yeah. how did you navigate your way through that? Um, you know, I guess I, I just didn't even I didn't really care, you know. So with the uptown duplex, right? There was a lot of a lot of noise coming from the top to the bottom unit. So I remember I remember like one of my first nights there. Uh, so in my in my bottom unit, I was actually Airbnb out my bedroom. And I put up like a curtain and a room divider in the living room and made like a quasi bedroom out of my living room. And I slept on a futon behind that for a year. So I remember like, yeah, I remember that first night of doing that. And I remember like having an Airbnb guest in my bedroom and they were like talking and having people move in upstairs, making a lot of noise. And I was just like tucked into a little corner of my living room behind a curtain. I was like, what am I doing? You know, like what the hell? Uh, but that was really one of the only times that I was real. And it was just because I wasn't used to it. Right. But once right. I got used to it, it kind of became cool, you know, Airbnb guests were coming in and out and 
you know, I've actually have a lot of friendships that started, they started as my Airbnb guests and we're still friends to this day. Wow. Um, and just a lot of cool people traveling in and out. Like I love to travel. So that kind of satisfied my travel bug while I was home. So, you know, it sounds crazy. And most people say, like, most people think I'm nuts for living on my couch in a living room for a year. But man, I actually really enjoyed it looking back on it. Well, you were, you were being resourceful, man, because you knew, hey, I, I have a goal. My goal is to get out of debt. And right now, while, you know, I, I have this opportunity, I'm going to do as much as I can to maximize this opportunity so I can accelerate, you know, my, um, my financial independence. So I know you were thinking you were crazy sleeping behind, you know, a curtain and balled up in the corner of this $300,000 property that you bought, but the income was coming in. Um, so did you, so were you living for free or did you have to pay anything on the mortgage or? Uh, no. So I was, yeah, I was living totally for free. Uh, basically the way the numbers worked out was that I was getting like 1750 for the top unit and I was getting uh, about 1100 for the Airbnb on average. And okay. so you're looking at about $2,800 of total rent. And my mortgage payment was just over $2,000. So I was making, you know, 800 bucks over the mortgage and I was living for free. And so there are, and I, you know, I always set aside some for reserves. It was a newer property. Nope. So I set aside $250 for reserves. There's not much vacancy in this area in Denver. So that was like my reserve, my reserve fund. And okay. you know, I'm, I'm cash flowing. What is that? Like 550 or 650 bucks a month. Um, and that was and great. And that was being applied to now, was that being applied to your student loans or? Nope, not yet. So uh, okay. I still, yeah, not yet. I was still making the minimum payments on my student loans um, because I thought that basically the way I looked at it was I don't want anything to impede me from getting another house hack next year because that is the best return I can possibly get on my money. And if I'm going to pay off my student loans and it's going to make me kick out another house hack a year, that's actually doing me an injustice rather than helping yep. me out. Absolutely. So I, I, I didn't feel comfortable paying off my student loans yet. So I continued to just save that money. Um, I, I did a couple extra side hustles. I rented out my car. I, uh, I rented out, I rented, I rented a, a, an apartment from my friend. So I then Airbnb out, which I then Airbnb out. So I was paying my friend rent while Airbnb out and keeping the difference. So some side hustles that way. Man, so nothing, nothing was safe around you. You was like, "Hey, I'm, I'll rent you anything." <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was bad for a year. But I just figured, like, one year, you know, one year, I gotta just like, you know, I was like balls to the wall. One year, go at it, and then, and then, second year, I started to ease up a little bit, right? Um, I bought my second house, which this one was a uh, a five bed, two bath house just outside of Denver in a town called Thornton. Okay, and this one, I had my own room. I rent. I lived in one room, and I rented out the other four. Uh, and I, you know, my mortgage payment was still about two thousand on this one as well. And I was making about thirty one hundred in rent from the other four rooms. So, so, so you have the duplex that's bringing you in about twenty eight. Well, actually, right now yeah. more because you right. rented out the bottom floor. So yep. the duplex. What were you bringing in total on a duplex when you when you moved out? Um. With the Airbnb, it'll probably be about, it's a little over 3,000. So we'll say like 3,300. Okay. Um, so 3,300 on a duplex and your mortgage was to just a little bit over 2,000. So you're clearing, yeah. let's just say, just for the sake of round numbers, 
1300 bucks off that one property. Now you bought this five bed house for how much did you pay for that one? Uh, that one was three forty three. Okay. But the the interest rates were a bit higher at that time, so it it ended up being about almost exactly the same. Like it was like forty dollars off from my other one, so uh, two thousand on that one as well. Okay, so we're two thousand dollars at that one. Now now go over this room sharing, room renting, uh, thing that you're doing. Yeah. So this this um this was just like a kind of a. I actually got the, I got this from my friend who was doing the similar strategy. And so you you buy a property, right? You want kind of the most rooms and most bathrooms for your dollar is what you the idea of what you want. And so you know you you buy the five bed, two bath, single family home. You live in one room, pick which one room you want, mm-hmm. and you rent out the other rooms. Now a master bedroom will be a little bit more than a regular bedroom if you've got a private entrance bedroom or you've got like a garage attached to it. That will go for a little bit more. You can rent out you know, the garage parking or driveway parking or whatever, and kind of just get the most investment you can on that single property. And so, you know, with all that, you know, I was getting on average about 700, well, $700 for the smaller rooms. And then I had two, one with a master bathroom and one with like a private entrance garage. And I was getting 800 and 850 for that one, for those two. So, um, wow. Yeah, so I'm going to be fast, but it was like, you know, I think 3150 in total rent for, uh, the four rooms. Wow. Okay. So you were, you were clearing some, some major cash flow. So you were clearing about 2,400 bucks a month. Um, just with these two properties. Right. Wow. And that's, that's, and and guys, you, you really have to look at that and you really have to, to think like Craig and be resourceful and say, Hey, you know what? I may not have a lot, but what I do have, what can I do with this to maximize to maximize it so that's awesome that's awesome craig so now you're two properties in wait wait we still have the uh rental from your from your partner right yeah uh oh the airbnb yeah yeah, yeah. yep and i've also got so that was a huge uh, that was a huge help in helping me pay down my student loans and that was kind of the main uh reason why i wanted that was uh so i had this Airbnb. It was in a great location in like basically downtown Denver. And uh, he was charging me $22.50, I think, a month to rent the place out. And, you know, I would get in the winter, it would be right around break even, around $22.50. But in the summer, it was getting like four grand a month. Wow. Right. And so we were get we were we were like netting almost two grand over that rent payment a month. And so that was for a few months a year. Okay. So that was huge helping me out um and it was pretty close to work my work too so i could just like if i if it ever needed anything i would just hop on my bike and head over there over lunch so yeah. you're, you're you're working a full-time job you have the duplex that you house hack then you're living in a house hack and then your airbnb and your airbnb um an apartment that you're renting from a friend and now you're moving into this third house hack that you just told me about, man. Kinda, let's go over that one now. Yeah. So I'm not. So so just to preface, I'm, not, I'm no longer doing the Airbnb with my friend. That got shut down. Okay. Uh, he had, what what he had happened? Yeah. What happened? Uh, so he, it was a condo, and he had an HOA that didn't like that we were Airbnb-ing oh. it. So uh, they they shut the doors on us, and we said, okay, like we're not trying to get on anyone's bad side. So. 
we shut we shut it down and it was good while it lasted but uh that that was that so that was over and then uh not to cut you off craig let me let me jump in here real quick and i know airbnb is is the trend i actually just came from um chicago and i was talking to a group and they were talking about doing some airbnb and and some high rises and i said hey you you definitely got to check with the hoa because you know you can have this business strategy that you want to use but if you don't you know check the ccnrs with the hoa you could buy this property and then not be able to do what you intended to do with it so Man, good for you guys. You milked it as long as you could. Uh, yeah. So, hey, I've been the room for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> did, did your uh, did your buddy? Did he let you out the lease or? Oh yeah. So it was a, we 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 agreed in the beginning. It was like a month to month lease, and we said, hey, if for any reason this thing needs to be shut down outside of like our our circumstances, like if there's a third party or an outstanding force that makes us shut this thing down, it's like the next month it's shut down and we're we're good to go. So. We were on the same page with that, um, right. and he totally understood. So, yeah, I was I was paying him above above market rent, and I was also giving him a little bit of the upside as well. So yeah. it was beneficial for him too. Yeah. So you guys really had just a working agreement, you know, on it. So okay, exactly. perfect, perfect. Yeah. So number three, house hack number three. Let's dig into it. Yeah. So this is the most recent one, and this is the one I'm most excited about because it's it's happening now. Um, so this one is a six bed, three bath house a couple miles south of the one in Thornton, which is basically on this Denver-Thornton border. It's actually not in Denver or Thornton. It's technically like an unincorporated county. It's just okay. unincorporated county is what they call it. So uh, I, I don't have like all of the strict Airbnb rules that Denver applies or like the all, all of these, I don't have to follow those rules and I pay a lot less in taxes, which is- nice. Right, right. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Your tax base is lower because it's unincorporated. Perfect. Yep. Exactly. Um, and so this one is a, so it's a three bed, two bath upstairs and it's a three bed, one bath downstairs. And the downstairs has its own kitchen, its own laundry room. So it's basically like a separate unit, but it's not like, it's a basically a non-conforming or like a legal duplex. Okay. And so what I'm doing now is that I'm renting the, I rented the two top, I'm living in the top uh, and one of the, like crappier rooms and I'm renting out the master bedroom and the other no frills room um, on a, on a, on a yearly basis. Like I, like a normal tenant. Okay. And what I'm doing is I'm actually renovating the basement. So the basement is a little bit, it feels a little bit like a dungeon. There's not a whole lot of natural light and uh, it's just not, it just really wasn't, it was maintained, but just doesn't feel that good. So I'm actually renovating the entire basement. So I've got some extra cash now because I've been house hacking for a couple of years and I'm still saving and I haven't really increased my lifestyle much. So okay. with that extra money I have, I'm renovating the basement. You know, I'm going to probably do a 20 or 30 grand renovation to make it look all new and modern and make it a little bit more comforting despite the fact that there's not much natural light. Redoing the kitchen. And I'm going to actually make that an Airbnb. I'm going to wall off the, um, basically the, 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 the doorway that, connects the upstairs from the downstairs okay and there's going to be there's basically a separate entrance into the downstairs to the garage so, so that's going to be a separate Air, unit separate unit airbnb and i'm going to try to bleed that out for as long as i can okay and at some point i may you know what i love about this property is that it's super flexible right i can make it an airbnb i can rent out the bottom unit separately or i could rent it out by the room separately um there's it, just tons 
it's multifaceted. You got different, yeah. different exit strategies with it. So again, with the financing with this one, how much did you pay for this one? Uh, because I know Denver price points have shot up tremendously. Um, but this one is unincorporated. So did you find this as, was this a deal for you? Uh, so I don't think I got like a screaming deal on this one. Uh, I, I purchased it for $380,000. Um, I think that's a, pretty much exactly what it's worth. Okay. Um, but like with the strategy that I'm using, right, with this rent by the room strategy slash Airbnb, like there's no, it's almost like no way it's not going to cash flow me like crazy, right? So I'm okay with paying market price. If, it, if, if market price works for me, I'm okay with paying it. I'm not trying to like screw the seller over for right. ten or twenty thousand dollars, right? I'm not going to let a deal go by for that. I'd rather just get into a deal. So, gotcha. yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know. Everybody says, um, you know, you make the money on the buy side, which is true. But at the same time, if your exit strategy is or your strategy is to hold long term, you know, you can pay market or even a little bit above market because your goal is the passive income, the cash flow. So over the years, like you said, you're going to get the debt pay down, you're going to get the tax incentives and tax benefits plus the cash flow. So, you know, you don't have to always jump out there and try and find something 70 cent on a dollar, 60 cent on a dollar just to make it work. You know, as long as you're, it, again, it depends on your strategy and your strategy is passive income. So man, kudos exactly. to you on this. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the basement renovation too, I think that I'll be able to, you know, force some appreciation into that. So. Gotcha. So you're doing all of this, doing all of this with a full-time job. Um, how many hours a day are you really putting into managing this stuff? So it's a lot of upfront managing. Uh, when I'm, when I'm looking to rent the rooms and do all that, it's probably, uh, it's probably about 10 hours a week. Gotcha. Um, in terms of, you know, I probably do a couple show. I, I do when I do my showings, I'll, I'll schedule a two hour window and I'll just say, Hey, it's like an open house type deal. Just come by in this two hour window and I'll show you the house. And it's weird that no one ever shows up at the same time. I've never had two people show up at the same time. And, uh, it, I don't know. It just works really nicely. And so, so then I'm still, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You can finish. Um, so it's not, like, um, so I'm not really like, even in, in, in the downtime in that two hours, I'm doing other work or whatever. Like it's not, I don't even, I, I shouldn't even count that as part of the hours that I'm working on the real estate stuff. Um, and then, and then, you know, creating the listing and getting the Airbnb set up is, you know, probably takes about a, a week or so to get an Airbnb set up for me. Um, so not much management. No, after Thanks. once it, once it's all, once it's all said and done, you get your systems in place, it's you kind of sit back and things come up, but it's not much. So, so what additional systems are you using? I know you're using cozy for your traditional, um, tenants. You using just strictly Airbnb for your properties or is there another, uh, system you're using? So with the Airbnb thing, I actually use this thing called, uh, so I use two different sources to uh, resources. I use price labs, which is a third party pricing software for Airbnb. Wow. Okay. The reason why I don't do the Airbnb smart pricing is that it's way too low. This okay. price labs actually will look at like other Airbnbs in the area, look at other events happening in the area and basically tell, say, Hey, like you can charge this much this night and they'll just like automatically set that price for you. 
and you know, I get way more than I would ever charge sometimes, and sometimes it's a little bit less, but you can set your minimums and maximums as you'd like, and, and it works. I get almost every night booked. Okay, so that's uh, basically comps for Airbnb, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they pull the comps. They do it for you. It's great. You don't do anything with setting the pricing. Um, and the second service I use is called uh, SmartBnB, and they do all the automatic messaging, all of the reviews, all of that stuff. So you just... It's called Smart BNB. Okay, Smart BNB. Yep, and they do all of the, you know, uh, a welcome message, and it tells them how to get in and out of the property. It tells them the house rules and the message, and basically try to answer all their questions before they have the questions. Gotcha. And uh, this basically does that for you. It also does question recognition. So if, if there's a question that you get asked a lot, for example, I always get asked about parking. I'll have like an, a response to a parking question, and they'll automatically send that response to the tenant immediately okay and uh it's it works great it works about 75 percent of the time sometimes it doesn't work but better than nothing always good to have systems in place you know that way you can minimize you know your time actually doing the work um so now what about the turnover dealing with these airbnbs i know it can be a nightmare sometimes turning over the properties are you doing this yourself or are you Hiring this out, what are you doing? Uh, so when I lived there, I did it myself because I, it was just my home. Gotcha. Um, and uh, I learned that I am not a good cleaner. So <laughs> once, once I moved out, I hired a, a, a cleaning lady who actually, it was funny, I was driving for Uber a little bit here and there. And I actually was, uh, when I was driving for Uber, I found a cleaning lady. That was my Uber, my Uber client or whatever, my Uber passenger. And that's how I got my, uh, my cleaning lady. And she's great. Like, I love her. She's almost like, she almost feels like my grandmother to me. Like, so you know. how did that, how did that conversation start? Hey, I'm your Uber driver. Do you clean houses? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Uh, no, I, well, I asked her, you know, I asked her what she does and all that stuff. She's like, oh, I clean Airbnbs. I'm like, oh, well, I've got an Airbnb and I'm looking for a cleaner. And so I gave, so we were chatting and we had a good conversation and, and then I, I decided out. I'd try her out. Yeah, and I just so I just set her up as a co-host on my Airbnb account, and she can just look at my calendar and see exactly when the turnover is and when she's got to go in. She restocks everything for me, just sends wow. me the receipt, and I send her the payment. Um, it's great. Okay. It's great. Yeah, I couldn't do it without her. That's yeah. important. That's important, guys. Um, in real estate, as we always say, it's a it's network driven. You got to have people in place. And just by telling people what you do and what you're looking for, because we, we, we do a group every other Sunday and we start with, you know, wants, needs and haves. You know, what do I have? What do I need? And what do I want? And by doing that, we can merge things together and merge people together, you know, and make it a little bit easier for people to go down their journey you know, as a real estate investor. So that's basically what you did with the, with the uh, Airbnb cleaning person is, Hey, I'm your Uber driver. What do you do? You know, and just from that, just from that conversation, uh, you built a, built a partnership basically. Yep. So people use tell people, the more people you tell what you do, the more likely they'll help you out because people always want to help people out. So it's in our nature. So, yeah. So tell me now, the majority of your financing was the majority of your financing just strictly bank financing or did you use any hard money or anything like that? Nope. No hard money. It's all been bank financing, uh, 5% down conventional, 
5% down conventional for the, for the two single family houses and the three and a half percent down FHA. Uh, and it's been worked out. It's working out great. I found a lender that I really like and he, you know, he gets my deals done. Uh, I know that I can do up to 10 mortgages with him, uh, all owner occupied. And I, I've referred him out to a whole bunch of people as well. And he's, he's been great. So I'm very happy with him. So nothing earth shattering, nothing amazing. You just, Hey, this is the road I want to take. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to do some traditional financing and get the passive income and turn it over. So guys, you don't have to start out, you know, being creative, doing lease options or wholesaling or anything like that. Craig started 30K in debt and just worked and saved his money and used that money to really, really launch his real estate career. So Craig, tell me, I know you just got this property. I know you're working on it but you seem like you're a very innovative guy. So I know you're thinking about what's next. So kind of give us, you know, fill us in on what you're, what you're planning next. Yeah. So uh, one of the big things that's kind of happening in my life is that we're just having a, we're having a book come out actually on this whole house hacking strategy. So, uh, you know, I work for a company called bigger pockets and yeah. bigger pockets is, you know, it's publishing a book uh, that I, that I've written on house hacking. And basically it tells you, Everything you need to know about house hacking, everything that I know about house hacking is basically funneled into these 200 and something pages. And, you know, it talks about how you find a property, where to find a property, how to manage the tenants, how to manage the roommate side of it. Because when you're house hacking, uh, you know, if you're doing a single family house and that's a strategy that you may want, you know, you have to be, you, have, you play two roles. You play a landlord, but you also play a roommate. So you have to kind of figure out where that line is. Um, it just tells you about how powerful house hacking is and how you can get returns of 100% or more on basically almost every single house hack that you do if you buy the right one. You know, we show, well, there's case studies and I've interviewed a bunch of people who have house hacked and you'll see that the returns are similar and it can happen over and over again and they don't do anything special. Anyone can do it. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. So I'm sure guys, you'll be able to find that, that book on bigger pockets. Um, once that's, do you have a launch date or release date yet? Uh, yeah. So on October 3rd, it comes out on bigger pockets. Uh, you can just go to the Bigger Pockets store. I think there's also will be a link. Uh, it's biggerpockets.com slash uh, house hacking book, I believe. Okay. And yeah, you'll be able to find it on there. And then it launches on Amazon and all other places on October 17th. So, okay. Um, well, guys, you, I'll have all of that information down in the show notes. You'll be able to find that um, with, the, with the link for the book. And now, Craig, before we wrap up, man, tell us where we can find you. How can we get in touch with you if we need to know some more about house hacking? Yeah, I'd say uh, the best two places are probably uh, Instagram. You can find me at, at the Phi Guy. Uh, so at the T-H-E Phi Guy, F-I-G-U-I. Um, and you can find me on Bigger Pockets as well. Uh, those okay. are probably the best two places. Uh, Facebook, you can probably reach out to me too, but I might be a little slower to respond. But either way, Facebook, Instagram, or or bigger pockets. And those are the three best places to reach out to me. Gotcha. Gotcha. So guys, all of that information will be in the show notes. Um, you'll be able to find and contact Craig. So Craig, before we wrap up and before we leave, man, are you really excited and anticipating the BP conference that's coming up in Nashville? Heck yeah, man. I can't wait. Uh, I'm actually fortunate enough to be one of the speakers. So I'm really excited about that. And just excited to meet everybody. I've never been to Nashville, so excited to go to Nashville. Excited to meet a bunch of the BP members, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. There's gonna be a lot of great keynotes there as well. So highly recommend you attend if you can. 
Perfect, perfect. Well, I'll be in the place, man. I'll be in the building. Ticket is already purchased. I'll be there. Um, definitely want to meet you personally. Uh, you as well as Brandon and and the rest of the team will definitely get yeah. together and have lunch, man. So, hey, Chris, I appreciate it, man. I will see you in Nashville in a few weeks. And with it, if there's nothing else, see you in Nashville. I man, we'll see you in Nashville. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.